And then God said in my head, so Deb, what I need you to do is if I choose to kill Miles, if I choose to let him die, you have to be okay with it. And I lost it. I mean, I mean, I literally lost it, Carol. I fell on my face and cried and said, no, I can't do it. And we wrestled. <laughs> we wrestled for about an hour until I finally relinquished and said, okay, I trust you. Isn't it heartbreakingly true that life can be at times so traumatic and so difficult and so disappointing? Finding our way through the disappointments and the trauma of life can be an obstacle course in itself. But my guest today, Dr. Deb Waterbury, has a prayer for those of you who are going through a really hard time. Her prayer is this, that she wants to help you traverse that obstacle course with joy, with hope, and with peace. It sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? But with the Holy Spirit and Dr. Deb Waterbury as our guide, I'm telling you, we can do it. This is the Significant Women Podcast, and I'm your host, Carol McLeod. Uh, Significant Women is a podcast for women to gather with their personal stories and the wisdom that they've gleaned in the common days of an ordinary life. Our goal is to simply encourage women in all walks and in all seasons of life. But let me tell you a little bit more about my guest today, Dr. Deb Waterbury. Honestly, when I started talking to her, I felt that I had found a sister in the faith. She is a force to be reckoned with. She is a woman of resolve, but don't be fooled because underneath that strength and underneath Dr. Deb's resolve is a soft heart of peace, hope, compassion, and understanding. Her resume is astounding. She's an author, a counselor, an entrepreneur, a minister, a missionary, a Bible teacher, and a woman who truly cares about others. So I, I think you're going to love my conversation today with Dr. Deb Waterbury. Prepare yourself to be encouraged in the Lord in a new and exciting way. Be prepared to be filled with his strength as you listen to the life story of Dr. Deb Waterbury. Well, today we're going to talk to an interesting person, but she's just normal like you and me. And she has a story and she has a call on her life. And, you know, Dr. Deb, you and I have just met, but already I can tell, oh, I can be friends with her. If we live <laughs> next door to each other, we'd be having coffee in the morning. Amen, so, sister. Amen. Amen. So her name is Dr. Deb Waterbury, and she's assured me that we can call her Dr. Deb. So that's what I'm going to do this morning. But tell us about you, Dr. Deb. Like, what do you, what do, you do on a normal day? Do you have dogs? Do you have chickens? Like, does your husband <laughs> snore? Just tell us some stuff about your well, life. Two of the three of those things were right on the money. Um, and I, <laughs> used to have chickens growing up, but I don't have them anymore. Yeah, I do have a dog. Her name is Grace. She is our, um, she's a 10 month old little pound puppy that we are training to be our, I run a counseling center. So she's our center therapy dog. So she's in training and we love her to pieces. She's just the best, best dog. And then I have a wonderful husband who does snore. Absolutely. Yep. He does. He was last night, which is why I haven't slept much. <laughs> 
And I, you know, I, I mean, I have two boys. My boys are 32 and 35. Both of them are married and they don't live here in Tucson. They live somewhere else. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got a normal, normal life with normal people and a normal husband that definitely snores. So yeah. <laughs> And don't they all snore? Don't yeah, they all? They do. They say they don't, but that's because they don't wake themselves up. They wake us up. And so they say they don't, but we know better. Yeah, yeah that's right. And for us <laughs> women, for we women who are postmenopausal and our sleeping <laughs> schedule is erratic anyway, add a snoring husband to the mix. Oh, and it's just, it, you know, but this is the good news, Dr. Deb. It develops the fruit of the spirit in our lives, and that's a good thing, right? <laughs> Which I would like to add to the fruit, the spirit, fruits of the spirit that you don't suffocate them at two in the morning. That I think that's the fruit of the spirit, and it ought to be yeah. added to the list. I think maybe yeah. it's patience and long suffering and perseverance, yeah. but not suffocating. I think it would be a good ad- addition. <laughs> Well, well, when we all get to heaven, you can suggest that to the Holy Spirit, I guess. <laughs> but you know, Deb, we, Doctor Deb, we all have a story. We, we mm-hmm. all have pain that we've yes. been through that have that has made us into the women we are today. That has strengthened our faith and has given us mm. a story to tell. Yes. Some people might call it their testimony. Um, I like to call it how your pain gave you purpose. So, Dr. Deb, tell us your story. How did you become the Dr. Deb you are today? <laughs> wow. Um, well, you know, I, I was raised, born and raised in right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And I was uh, born to a phenomenal Christian family, loved like crazy. Um, and then when I was, and I became a Christian when I was 11, accepted the Lord when I was 11. And then when I was 12, I was gang raped by some boys in my neighborhood. <clears throat> and when that happened, I really went from, it wasn't that I turned, you know, you didn't turn bad, but my identity shifted um, at that moment. It didn't, it shifted in my mind. It didn't shift. My identity was still the same. I was the loved bride of of the most high because I became that when I was 11 and welcomed Jesus as my savior. But I began to see myself differently. Um, Because these boys that raped me were also my friends. And so it was really difficult to move from that and accept that one has value. And I didn't know any of this, believe me, until I was 40, when I finally was on my face before the Lord after 28 years of some terrible sin and terrible of a terrible lifestyle. Um, But what I had to go back and recognize was when that happened, um, I began to make choices based on a false identity. Which is what, and I've and I've I've learned as I've worked with women in all these years now that I'm I'm almost sixty now, and all the years since then, I I really have the, Satan does this to all of us when we're children. And I just was talking to another. I have clients now, lots of women that I work with in my counseling center, and I always tell them, it's always when we're young that Satan will always begin to tell you a lie based on something that happens to you most often. Um, it could just be a mean word. It doesn't have to be something as dramatic as a rape, but he'll just start to begin to lie to you about who you are. And then you start making choices based on that lie, not based on the truth. And before you know it, most of us will end up in our 30s or 40s or 50s or whatever and realize, who am I? What am I doing here? And the the, the tragedy of that is that the the identity of being the bride of Christ, being the the one that he put his eye on, you know, before the foundation of time and said, 
that's the one that I want. She's the apple of my eye, which in the original Hebrew literally means that's the one I choose. That's the one I want. That even though that occurred, we live as if that weren't true. Such a tragedy. So sad. And it's because Satan knows he can't have you the moment that you give your life to Christ. But he needs to derail you. Because if he can derail your identity, then he can keep you from the kingdom building that God intends for you to use from your story, from the pain that becomes purpose. And if you never know who you are, then your pain doesn't ever come to that purposeful place. It instead um, just becomes pain that you live in. So that was me. I mean, I lived in that pain for 28 years. Lots of drugs, lots of alcohol, lots of sex, lots of all the things that one should not do. Um, especially and most importantly, after I was married, just in the, in the in an effort to get rid of this notion that my value was determined by what those boys told me my value was, even all those years ago, which I tell you know, in almost all my books and from the pulpit and anywhere you hear me speak, you'll hear me tell you that that doesn't make me not culpable for my sins, because of course I am. We all have a choice. I, at every single juncture, I could choose yes or no. So I'm always culpable for my choices and those sins. But would I have made those choices had I actually known who I was? That's the point. And that's what I'd move women through now um, and drives everything I do in all my businesses now. So Dr. Deb, did you ever wrestle with the question, why did God allow that to happen to me? <laughs> Oh gosh, yes. And all my clients do. <laughs> Everybody that's a, that's the number one question I get. Why would a loving God allow that to happen to me? And you know, so I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna tell you how I got to this. Uh you know, we have this idea about time. And so forgive me if I'm gonna seem like I'm going on a rabbit trail here, but I'm not. We have this idea about time being linear, and, and we know that we, we think about God looking down the corridors of time. I know you've heard that even. We all have heard, heard somebody say that and, and sees where you're going to be. So therefore he would allow this to happen. That doesn't help. That doesn't help you feel like like God is a loving God when he still allows something horrible to you simply because you're going to be a kingdom builder in 40 years. That doesn't make him seem loving. But the reality is that time doesn't work that way for God. As we know, it's not linear. Time, and this has been mathematically proven. Recently, I just watched a documentary on this because I'm a documentary geek, but I was watching this documentary on time. And this guy who's not a Christian at all puts this big mathematic equation up on the board and he shows how time is actually folds in on itself. We've heard it be circular, wavy, linear, whatever. And he said, but truly, time actually folds in. So when he said that, I immediately was like, that is exactly, just exactly proves God as a loving God. Because if at the very instant I was being gang raped, God in that same instant saw me speaking to women's all, women all over the world about the freedom of their testimony. It wasn't that he looked down through time. They happened instantaneously for God. And so I started thinking about my son, and I know we're going to talk about him in a little bit, who is a recovered alcoholic now. But in all those years of my watching my son seriously think he might not even live um, through his alcoholism because it was so awful. My baby watching him on the floor, literally just completely drunk out of his mind. If in that, if I were God and in that instant, I saw my son, his name is Miles. I saw Miles drunk on the floor. And then today where he ministers to veterans and alcoholics, if I saw that instantaneously, even as an imperfect human mom, I would allow that. Of course I would, because it would be my great love for my son that would allow that tragedy when I instantaneously saw where it would take him. Of course I would allow that. And I, my love's imperfect. 
So that is really, and it's been a course of lots and lots of years that God has kind of brought me to this place of understanding what real, real love is. And God being love doesn't necessarily mean the things that are happening to us feel loving, but they are love because he knows everything. It's not that he looks down through time. He sees it all instantly. I love that, Dr. Deb. I love that. I've um, just written a book titled Meanwhile, and it's a mm. Bible study on the life of Joseph of the Old Testament. Oh, excellent. That, that during Joseph's meanwhile, it says the Lord was with him. Amen. And so what you just said, when his brothers bullied him and threw him in the pit, God saw him as a leader who would yes. feed an entire nation. Absolutely. Um, so I I love what you just said. I'm going to think about that. And that means a lot to me, what you just it said. Is, um, it is very freeing if we can recognize that there is purpose in your pain, like you just said. Yes. And I tell I tell ladies all the time, and you know, it's funny, I, I spoke this message for the very first time to a group of women in Malawi, Africa. So of course, I'm speaking through an interpreter because they speak to Chua. And um, through the interpreter, I was telling them, because we don't know the meaning of pain. These women, some of them are raped on a daily basis um, and they're in poverty and they're just miserable because they can't see purpose for that. And when I began to speak to them, and you've used these words, even as you and I were talking earlier before the interview started, that they have a story. And I, what I told them was, your story is meaningful because of what's happening to you. Only you have this story to tell. Your story is just your story. Nobody else is going to have it. It was meant just for you. And it requires your life so that that is your story. It is just yours. God trusted you with this story. And I have women who sit on my couch right now who have terrible, terrible backgrounds, have had horrible things happen to them. And it, I almost get giddy at this point. I have to explain to them, I'm sorry, I'm smiling. I'm sorry, I look excited about all the terrible things you just said. But what I tell them, and it, it always shocks them, I'll say, but you've got this fantastic past. I mean, it's like this amazing past. And you can just see them go, this woman's out of her mind. She's insane. But an amazing broken past makes an amazing purposeful story, which is just yours. Oh. I love that. You are talking my language right now, Dr. <laughs> Deb. You are. One of my sayings in life is don't waste your pain. We yes. all have pain, so don't waste it, but use it as a springboard for ministry. Amen. Amen. Use it Amen. as a springboard. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk to you about the Academy of Biblical Counseling, which okay. is um, an initiative that you have started. Mm -hmm. Tell us about it, because I believe everybody needs counseling. So Ooh, uh, they do. <laughs> yeah. So talk to us about this thing that has just captured your time and attention that God led you to the Academy of Biblical Counseling. Well, um, and I shouldn't have used that third person pronoun there. I shouldn't have said they do. I should have said we do and make that inclusive because God knows I still go to my own biblical counselor sometimes when I just get when life gets to be too much. We all do need biblical counseling. So I. I, you know, as a speaker and a writer and um, all the other things that I do, you're always, as a minister, I even was a, a the women's minister at a local church many years ago for seven or eight years. So, you know, you, you, you counsel, that's part of what you do. And the Lord eventually led me um, into opening this counseling center that I'm sitting in right now. Um, and the counseling center, it's a biblical counseling center. And I recognize that this is in my center is actually called the answer because Jesus is the answer to everything. And so biblical counseling, unlike Christian counseling, because there is a difference. 
Christian counseling is counseling from a Christian lens, a Christian perspective, biblical counseling, and it will lead you toward the Bible, of course. Biblical counseling is Bible, and then we bring therapy directly from the Bible. So you begin with God's word and then bring the therapy from that. It is Christian counseling is beautiful, and it's not that one's better than the other. They're just different. And what we do here is biblical counseling. And what we found very quickly, and I've only been in business now for a year, but um, we we all have waiting lists and I'm looking to start a branch is that another branch is that um, this is people are getting results. People are getting free because the Bible brings freedom. I mean, God's word is the source of freedom. So if you can start there and bring freedom from that, it became so very attractive that many people were coming to me wanting to be trained as biblical counselors. And I was sending them to the places that I know of and that actually where I got certified nationally. And, and you know, to tell you the truth, my certification in biblical counseling, I did more work in that than I did get my doctorate in expository biblical studies. It was so much work. And unfortunately, much of it was unnecessary. Um, so what I was finding was that I was getting them trained and then I was retraining them. And, um, and it was my publicist who eventually said to me, why are you sending people somewhere else when in a former life I was an educator and I, um, before I became a minister. And so I was a curriculum writer and she said, you know how to write curriculum. Why don't you develop your own school? So I did. And in the midst of developing this online academy, I also realized that not just professional counselors who want to be biblical counselors need this kind of training. Pastors need this kind of training. Women who just want to have coffee with their friend and want to understand how to counsel her from a biblical place. Mentors, people who want to coach, those kinds of things need this kind of training. So the academy now has four levels, one for professionals, and in that one, you will be certified by the end. But then the next level is just for pastors who want to understand what that looks like. Then the next level, which is just biblical counseling 101, is just for the layperson who wants to understand what it means to give wise counsel from a biblical place. And then the last level is for mentors and coaches. So that's why I developed it. It's fully online, fully self-driven. I just saw the need and I'm learning from the Lord, (laughs) which is why I now have five businesses, is that he tells me when he says do something, I don't think about anything else. I just do the thing, whatever the thing is, it's in front of me. And then he does the rest. So Dr. Deb, where can people connect with you about this um, Academy of Biblical Counseling? Well, the easiest way to, to get in touch with everything that I do is just go to debwaterberry.com. And um, when you do that, you'll be able to see it at the top. It'll have a thing for the Academy. It has a thing for the counseling. It has a thing for my school in Africa. You can get to all of my websites from that single website. So just okay. com. And we'll have all the links in the show notes so people can just click and go straight there. Perfect. Um, Good. But, you know, in the world that we live in today, I'm not sure we're in a post-COVID world yet. We're all hoping we will be. (laughs) We wish Um, we would be. (laughs) I know. um, With the stress, with the loneliness, with the anxiety, um, what you're doing is very valuable for a world in pain, for a church in pain. So mm. thank you for hearing the voice of the Lord and obeying. That That's incredible. Well, thank now, you for Dr. saying Dr. Deb, so. so much of what you do. <laughs> reap what you sow. Talk mm. to us about what that is. Reap what you sow and that initiative. Well, that's a school I have in Malawi, Africa right now. And it is actually part of a larger project called Project Malunda. 
Uh, Malunda means trade in Chichua, which is their indigenous language. So it's Project Trade. So I have one school right now in Blantyre, Malawi, and this school called Reap What You Sow, and so is S-E-W. It is a school where women are trained in the craft of tailoring, but they're also given business skills and accounting skills. We give them, they have six months of training. Uh, and the funny thing about that, because God always makes sure I do things I don't know how to do. I have no idea how to sew. So it's kind of <laughs> silly that, I, <laughs> that I'm running a tailoring school. It's a, I think this is God's way of making sure my hands are out of it because they can't like really be in it. <laughs> I have a hard enough time making my bed in the morning, much less making some clothes. But anyway, we um, the school, they start six months of training. We give them a machine, a brand new machine at the beginning. So at the end of the six months, if they graduate, they get the machine. They get a starter kit plus all the accounting and business skills because the goal of Reap What You Sow is to create business women. And so right now we have 85% of our graduates where we're in class number nine right now are now running their own businesses. These are the most impoverished women in the most impoverished country in the world. So Reap What You Sow has become that one school in Malawi has become our um, model school. And now we're raising money to hopefully start schools in Mozambique, in Kenya, Zimbabwe, South Africa. I have uh, requests in all those countries for similar schools. It's just a matter of raising the money to, to get that done. So so why Malawi? What what led you there? Well, about, uh, so I guess about 2011, I was attending an international pastors conference that actually was being held here in Tucson, Arizona. And a very good friend of mine who's become my wonderful mentor, his name is Dr. Carl Conley, and he runs a big international pastors uh, organization. He introduced me to Priscilla and Augustine Mgala, and they are pastors. Actually, Augustine passed away last year from COVID, which was heartbreaking. But um, they became such good friends of mine and my husband's. And they invited us over in 2012. And I was speaking at their International Pastors Conference. And um, we just forged this friendship. And I love Malawi. is just they're the mo- kindest, most wonderful people. But I, it, it's led me then into Mozambique. And then I have friends now in Zimbabwe and in Kenya and in South Africa because they're all kind of, they all have friends with each other. <laughs> so I got to know all of them and got to go to conferences and speak at conferences and all of them. But Malawi's always been my hub. It's, it's just, I just love it so much. And I love those people so much. And Augustine just asked me one time if, because I would go and teach and he just said, the women love you when you teach. And we would always feed them, obviously, whenever we would go. And he said, but I, I was wondering if you could pray about ways that your organization could help them practically, because the church itself is impoverished over there. He said, and we just can't do everything for these widows and these women who have no way of taking care of themselves. And my initial response was, no, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> But then I, but I did promise I would pray about it. And I prayed for two years. So basically I said no for two years. And finally the Holy Spirit like slapped me on the head and said, you are going to do this. And so that's when we opened the school and it's been going ever since. Oh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, when I started talking to Dr. Deb Waterbury, I really thought that I had found a sister in the Lord. We have so much in common. And one of the things that we both love to do is take care of the women of our generation. Um, I do that through many different venues, through this podcast, through my daily blog, uh, Joy for the Journey, through another podcast that I host called A Jolt of Joy on the Charisma Podcast Network. 
but I also do it through the books that I write. I love downloading what God has given to me and writing it on the pages of a book. And I have a new book coming out this spring, the spring of 2022. The name of the book is At Home in Your Heart. And it is a 60-day devotional that will encourage you to open up all the corners, all the crevices, all the rooms of your heart to the joy that only the Lord can bring. It's not meant to take the place of your Bible. It's just meant to enhance your daily quiet time. So in the morning when you get up, maybe you do yours at night before you go to bed or at lunchtime. Get out your Bible, read a chapter or two, but also include a life-giving devotional. At Home in Your Heart can be pre-ordered on Amazon.com, at ChristianBook.com, Books A Million, BarnesandNoble.com, also on my website, which is carolmcleodministries.com. You know, a devotional is a wonderful gift to give to your friends for their birthdays, uh, for Mother's Day, for different events, graduations, uh, just an ordinary gift to give to a woman that you're thinking about. So ponder this. How about ordering a copy of At Home in Your Heart for all your girlfriends? I think that they would just love the hope that's nestled on the pages of my new devotional. But now, let's rejoin my heartfelt and stirring conversation with Dr. Deb Waterbury. Okay, now I feel like we need to go to the third thing before we run out of time. This almost needs to be three podcasts because of how interesting you are and everything you're doing for the unshakable kingdom of Christ. But you're also an author. I don't, mm-hmm. How many books have you written, Dr. Deb? I've written 14. I'm about finished with number 15 now. Oh, that's great. Well, we're, we're uh, kindred spirits there. My book number 15 <laughs> is coming out this year as well. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. So there you go. <laughs> um, so, but the book, I looked at your list of books, it's, it's several of them. And the book that captured my attention is a book that you titled, we are Mother Abraham. So, so Deb, one of the things that I do for publishing houses is I help authors come up with book titles. Like they might have a great mm-hmm. concept, a great idea, but their title is like, you know, nobody's going to buy that. Oh, book. yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm part of a, a think tank that with several companies that, that help come up with great titles. This mm-hmm. is a great title. Because oh, me, as as someone who loves the word of God, I think, oh no, stop it, stop it. Mother <laughs> Abraham. What is Pretty much what I said. Mean? Stop it, stop it. <laughs> I know, I know. I'd pick that book off the shelf in a New York minute. So tell me about that title. Like, what is it? What in the world does it mean? We are Mother Abraham. Oh, believe me, the Lord and I had so many arguments about that because <laughs> I was kept going. I kept saying to him, but there is no Mother Abraham. I need you to tell me why you're telling me this because there's no such a person. Um, well, it, it really centered around and the, the title of the book centered around my experience with my son when he was in the midst of his alcoholism. Um, he had disappeared for about 
uh, four or five, that ended up being six weeks. And we'd already been through six or seven years of, of terrible, terrible bout with this. And he was in his early twenties. So he's, he's my baby and he's my youngest. It was just killing me. And he had disappeared for about four weeks at that point, And I didn't know if he was dead or alive. And I was, I was the women's minister at a local church. I was teaching Bible studies. I was trying to keep my head above water while I, inside I was dying. And the thing that I was dying about, which is what most mothers come to me in in reference to, is when we can't do anything to help our kids. Like we can see them falling. We can see them making mistakes. And there's nothing you can do. And as every mother, what we all do by nature is run to the rescue. That's what we want to do. We help our kids. We start when they're born. We do everything for them. I mean, the human babies are the most helpless babies in all the animal kingdom. They can do nothing for themselves. So God created us as mothers to do everything for them. And then slowly by slowly, they start to inch away from us. And then, you know, from the time they start walking and then they become teenagers and whatever, and, and there's nothing you can do. And that goes against our nature. Everything in you wants to go help them. And God calls us to let go of them. He literally tells us to deny our natures. So I was in my, my study crying, 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 and the Lord kept saying over and over again in my head, Mother Abraham, Mother Abraham, Mother Abraham. And I literally finally stopped and said what you just said, but there's no such person as that. Please explain. <laughs> and he took me to the story of Abraham. I read it, got to the end of it and said, I get that. I know this story. <clears throat> and I heard God very clearly say, Abraham had to go willing to sacrifice his son, but Sarah knew. Sarah knew where he was going and Sarah knew what he was going to do. Now, of course, we don't know that biblically, but I feel like the Lord told me this was what had happened. And he said, she saw this is her promised baby. And she had to allow her husband to take him knowing full well he was going to die. How? And he just said that the faith of that mother, the faith of that woman will extend beyond everything else because mothers have to have a faith that far exceeds almost anybody else's when it comes to our children. We literally have to let them go. And then God said in my head, so Deb, what I need you to do is if I choose to kill Miles, if I choose to let him die, you have to be okay with it. And I lost it. I mean, I mean, I literally lost it, Carol. I fell on my face and cried and said, no, I can't do it. And we wrestled. <laughs> we wrestled for about an hour until I finally relinquished and said, okay, I trust you. If you choose to take my son, I'll be all right. I, I don't want you to, but I'll, I'll be all right. And that began my journey of working with mothers about how to let go of their children, which birthed the book, We Are Mother Abraham. Wow. You know, Dr. Deb, I meet so many moms with broken hearts. Moms mm. like you and I who have raised our children in the faith. We haven't been perfect yes. moms. But of course not, but... Yeah, we've exhibited a vibrant faith, a heartfelt love for Jesus, whose children have chosen to go a different direction. So what right. you have just said is very impactful. And so your your book, um, would, would you recommend it for moms with broken hearts? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I use it in my account. There's a Bible study in it. The book is actually a book within a book. So it's a book. It's a fictional book about a woman whose daughter is a drug addict. She has to let her go. And she joins this Bible study and the Bible study itself is, is reading and studying a book called Mother Abraham. 
And that's the story of Sarah having to let go of Isaac. So when every time when Catherine, the um, heroine in the book, sits down at night to read her Bible study, we read that with her. So you're actually reading Mother Abraham while you're reading the story of Catherine. Um, it's a book inside of a book. And so the Bible study, which is a free download, you can. there's a little label at the back, a QR code. You can download the Bible study for free is the Bible study that goes with the book inside the book, Mother Abraham about Sarah and how she had her faith in the faith that this woman exhibited to let her promised baby boy go off with her husband to die. Um, so yeah, it, I, I use it all the time in my, and there's been freedom for so many moms. And it doesn't even matter if your kids are, because you have to start letting, go, letting them go when they start walking or when they ride a bike for the first time, or they go to school, or somebody's mean to them at, at school, or they're, they're not picked for the varsity basketball team, or all the things that you have to walk a line between what do I do to comfort, and when am I interfering with their story? When am I interfering with their journey? Because God has a story for your children. And how many times do we interfere with that because in the, in the name of motherhood, trying to fix it, when we're actually interfering with God's plan for their story? So it's just, it's, it is a freedom to recognize that there is a truth in all of that and how much God adores mothers. He sure does. He He sure does. He does. So Dr. Deb, what other women have deeply impacted your life? Who have been your, your role models, your heroines of the faith? I have a, a very, very good friend, um, has become my good friend and her name is Brenda Woody. Um, she's, she came to me at my lowest place and I didn't like her. I didn't want her to. She was my nemesis in church because she was the beautiful beauty queen and we both sang and she always got the parts and she always got the stuff. And this is an, as an adult. I know it sounds like I'm talking about a teenager, but I'm actually talking about as an adult. Um, but when I got to the lowest of my low, my sins had caught up with me. And, you know, I had been rejected, rejected by everyone for good reason because of the life I had lived. Led, she was the only person that reached out to me. And we have a funny but heartwarming story because she didn't want to reach out to me either. God kind of told her to. This woman has become, she is a giant in the faith and, ha- and has brought me through. And there were times she's a, a elementary teacher. She let me come to her classroom and literally hide in the little, you know, the place where you sit at a desk and it's where your feet are. She would teach all day and I would hide under there and just cry all day long. Um, and she would, in between her class periods, she would comfort me or whatever, but just let me have a place to break down. Um, yeah, she's, and we still, she and I belong to a group of five women that get together for dinner every month, every, every month. And she and I still see each other. I'll, I love her so much. So I would say that Brenda probably is my biggest influencer and the person I still go to all the time. I love it. What, what a gift. Mm. What a precious gift that you yes. didn't know whether she was a gift or not, but she was. I remember looking at the caller ID going, oh, man, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> but, <laughs> but nobody else would talk to me. And that's literally what I thought. But nobody else is talking to you, so you yeah. might as well talk to her. <laughs> oh, and we've all done that. Looked at the caller ID and thought, oh, crumb, do I have to talk to you? Exactly. Yes. Um, so, Dr. Deb, what's your favorite Bible verse right now? Yeah, Jeremiah thirty-one three. That he has an everlasting. He gives us an everlasting love. I love that Bible verse. Um, I'm, you know, I, I move in and out of so many, but Jeremiah thirty-one three tends to be the one that I go to quite often. Um, I, you know, it's hard to 
pick anything. That one's that one's I'm on my website and everything. So yeah, that's always my favorite because I that everlasting love, which is the reason why I called my nonprofit Love Everlasting Ministries. It was always based on that on that verse. Yeah, when you have a pure love for the wor- word and it fills your soul, it's hard to narrow it down. It's it. It really it depends is. what you're going through and what he said to you this morning. You know, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I love. I mean, in these days, in all these times that we're going on, I find myself quoting quite often Psalm two, where the nations rage and the Lord sits in the, on his throne and laughs. I love that, and I find myself quoting that as a comfort. I mean, it's really a good perspective about what we way we should see these things. Right. And that we're not the only generation who's gone through something horrific. You know, Dr. Deb, for me, I've like been giddy with excitement that the Lord chose me to be alive right now. What? (laughs) I I get to be like your voice and your hands and feet and your heart during a worldwide pandemic. How cool is that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. That's how I feel too. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Deb, the Sound of Music is my favorite movie. And so we always close with a little game I call my favorite things, okay? Some okay. people might mm-hmm. call it a lightning round. How boring is that? No, it's my favorite <laughs> thing. So I'm okay. going to just shoot something out there. And just as quickly as you can, give me an answer. And if you want to pass, just say pass, and we'll all forgive you for that, okay? All right. <laughs> can I just make stuff up? Because that's what I'll do. You can. You can. Yeah, absolutely you can. <laughs> okay. Other than the Bible, that your favorite book you've ever read? Oh, um, probably Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, very good. I love that. Okay, so Dr. Deb, what is the worship song right now that when the first notes start, the tears start rolling down your cheeks and it goes straight into your soul? What's that worship song right now? Waymaker. Waymaker. (laughs) Waymaker. Love, love, love it. Favorite movie? Oh, goodness, I'm going to be so embarrassed about this, but it's Nacho Libre. Now that's funny. Didn't think those two words would come out of your mouth. I know nobody does, but I love that movie. It just cracks me up. <laughs> What's your favorite way to rejuvenate? Uh, get away by myself, go off by myself, which I'm going to do in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. Good, good. Favorite dessert? <sighs> Strawberry shortcake. Favorite holiday? Christmas. Christmas. Your favorite vacation <laughs> spot? Cabin in the Woods, which is where I'm going in a couple weeks. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you read devotionals? Do you have a favorite devotional that you do along with your Bible reading? You know, I don't actually have a favorite devotional. I do my own. You know, I, I read the Bible and summarize what I read and do a lot of journaling. So I don't really do devotionals necessarily. I've written a bunch of them, which is interesting. You know how it is. You, you write them, but you don't do them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> At, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? A teacher. You did. Yeah, a teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you're a wonderful teacher, Dr. Deb, and you teach oh. in so many different ways. By Thank example, you. by principle, um, I, I have loved talking to you today. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Carol. It's been my privilege. Thank you. And we'll have all the links in our show notes so people can connect with you buy your book, see what you're doing um, around the world. But before we go today, um, would you pray for the women who listen? Absolutely. I would love to. Father, thank you so much for your unfailing, everlasting love. Father, for every single woman 
who is listening now or later or whenever they do, Father, I pray that there would just be an, an added measure of truth that will rain down on them that literally tells them they are this woman. She is the one that you chose, the one that you looked down through time and said, that's the apple of my eye. That's the one I, I choose. That's the one that I want. Father, I pray that we would all move through our lives today and the days to come, recognizing that nothing that occurs in our lives have any impact other than to kingdom build because our place is secure. You are so good and so loving and so kind. And we thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Dr. Deb. Well, wow. That's all I can say after my conversation with Dr. Deb. I really do hope that you will visit Dr. Deb's website, which is debwaterberry.com. And of course, we'll have it in the show notes. Don't hesitate to contact her through her website. And I know she'll answer you quickly. Um, thank you for joining me this week on Significant Women. If this podcast has encouraged you or blessed you or helped you in your walk with the Lord in any way at all, hey, would you leave a recommendation on whatever platform you're listening on just a few words of recommendation helps us so much my friend i want to remind you that you were created for significance you were created to partner with god the creator of not only you but of the entire universe so that you would demonstrate his character while you live on planet earth when god looks at your life he sees a woman of grand significance.